Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another Genesis podcast. I am Scott. And I'm Brad. And this is not about us. All right, thank you for joining us one more time. And as always, I've lost track of where we are. What is this, Brad? Do you know? We're in Genesis podcast number what? 19. 19. Holy cow. All right. A couple more and the Genesis podcast will be of legal drinking age in the United (laughs) States. All right. So, uh, well, (laughs) on that note... (laughs) <laughs> Brad, would you mind uh, saying a prayer and in, uh, inviting God into this? Yahweh, our Almighty, we ask you here today, as we sit down and we get the mics on and we do another Genesis study, number 19, we ask that you come in, you lead the conversation to the places you want us to take it, because we can't do this without you. We know nothing without you. We are nothing without you. So please be the honored guest. Glorify yourself in this, but I hope and pray that we are giving you glory with this. As always, we love you, we cherish you, and we're just amazed by you, God. Amen. Oh, man. Thank you for that. Well, hallelujah. Let's jump in here. The last time uh, we did this, we ended Genesis chapter 3. And that was driving Adam and Eve out of the garden and putting the, the flaming sword at the entrance to keep them out. And... It pretty much wrapped up the entire story of creation. So God created the universe. He created the world. He created the animals, the plants, man, everything. He has relationship with man. Uh, Eve is created out of man. Then we had the fall, and they're driven out. And it's it's almost, in a sense, it almost feels like that's the setup. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about, Brad? It almost feels like that's just, we're establishing where we are. Now, the story begins. Yeah, that was truly, all of this is our origins, but that's truly the origin. That's the very starting place. Yeah. And now, we have been given our task, we have our job, and we're sent off on our adventure. And with the idea of what the reward is at the end of that adventure. Right. Now, I know, you know, Genesis 1-1, we talked about this before, you know, in the beginning. It is our beginning. It's not God's beginning. That, that is truly the beginning. But there's almost, yeah, a feeling to me like now, you know, okay, that, that was just showing how we got to this place. Now, we start uh, life as you and I, the listener, you know, and Brad and me, everyone, life as we know it. Uh, with a sinful nature, with with God and His redeeming plan in action, uh, it's just kind of like that's how we got to this place. But now we're in this place. Now let's start to tell this story. Just, I just have that feeling uh, on my own. Well, and it's easier as a reader at this point to identify with the people the places, the things that happen, because it's on our realm. Yeah. It's the, un- the realm that we understand right now. So Adam and Eve's story is very unique, and it's sometimes kind of hard to fully understand what they experienced before they were like us. Yeah. So at this point on, it's really easy, at least for me, it's really easy to really become that person and understand their struggles and their, yeah, their worries, you. their, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, I remember 
sometime uh, a while ago people talking about superheroes and and why certain superheroes stand out and others don't you know to us individually and that's one of the things they talked about is superman we can look up to and we can say hey i admire him but can we identify with him right i mean an alien from another planet with with superhuman strength and flying ability and just powers beyond belief we can't we can go thank God you're on our side, but that we can't really identify with him. Well, other heroes, we can go, no, I get it. I know where he's coming from. That guy takes a bullet and he dies. I understand that. You know, yeah. Superman takes a bullet and he brushes it off. I can't understand that. And it's kind of like that. We can listen to the story of Adam and Eve and back when they were sinless and in the garden and communing with God and go, I get it. And, and I like that, but I don't, I can't relate to that. I can't. I haven't experienced sinless life, uh, a perfect life without death, without any evil in the world. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm not saying it's untrue. I just personally don't necessarily see it. I, I don't. I don't get how it could be that way. But I, I haven't experienced. Yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds amazing and wonderful. And uh-huh. I do look forward to experiencing it. But you're right. Right now, it still boggles the mind to think about. Yeah. So let's move on now to Genesis 4. And I'm not going to get very far today. Genesis 4, 1 and 2 is all I'm going to do. But I want to head head this one off by saying, I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, going in, we're starting the story of Cain and Abel. And... Now, I've, I've studied a little beyond what we're going to deal with now. So there's a lot more to this that, that this is going to begin, that I know where we're going, at least with some of it, uh, that this is going to start that story. So some of what I'm about to say with this statement is, is beyond what we're studying today. But with Cain, I just felt like, Things were exploding out, and I was seeing so much, and and revelation was just coming to me about so many things. Abel, not so much. I had a lot of difficulty with Abel. So Brad and and you, the listeners, maybe you'll be able to help me out and see what I'm missing. Uh, as always, please, please feel free to comment, feel free to email us, feel free to let us know anything that you discover because uh, as we've said before, we're not perfect. We're on this journey. Uh, and you know, on that note, one of the things I love about this podcast is, you know, I, I love sharing with you guys. I, I really hope I'm helping someone out there with this. But this is a big help to me because I can go back and listen to these myself and kind of remember. And and this this is helping me meditate on the word. And, you know, in reviewing these, uh, I can go, Okay, yeah, other things can jump out, and and new ideas can can form. Well, so I encourage you guys all if you have a chance to do something like this. It's you know it's it's the same. It's the equivalent of taking notes and and reviewing them from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. I have the uh, the privilege of editing all the podcasts, and once I get past how weird my voice sounds, <laughs> I uh, I sometimes am amazed that. I, my, my mind might have been too blown in the moment and so but the conversation continued on and then my mind will get reblown by something new I didn't necessarily hear when we were talking about it and uh-huh. sometimes it's almost creepy it's almost like not creepy that's not the right word but <laughs> but I know what you but, mean but it's by like that. I don't remember actually saying that and then it makes me wonder did I <laughs> did I say I that or was mean. I inspired by something uh-huh. else and that is a really cool feeling because if that's the case then then this is doing exactly what we want it to do. Not yeah. be about us. Mm-hmm. We want it to come from the Spirit and be about giving glory to God. All right, so let's start, and I'm just going to read, and as always, I'm in the Hebraic Roots version, unless I specify otherwise. Uh, but this is Genesis 4.1. And the man knew Chava, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man with the help of Yahweh. Now, obviously, that's the Hebraic roots version. We would know that as the man knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. 
uh, trying my best to pronounce them correctly according to the Hebrew. Uh, as I've said before, I'm even studying Hebrew and pronunciation and things like that very, very slowly. Uh, but I'm trying my best to do things correctly. Very, very slowly. And he comes in today speaking full sentences, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me that. Uh, anyway, not to get off topic. Um, the thing, one of the things I want to talk about first at this is just it has always fascinated me that the word, the use of the word no, and the man knew Chava, his wife, just this use of the word no, meaning to have intercourse sexually, has always intrigued me. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I'm like, why do we use this word? Now, now I want to I warn you parents out there and stuff, you know, uh, in case you're worried about things like this, I am going to talk frankly about things like sex, not in a vulgar sense, but in a fact, in, in a biblical sense. We're going to talk about the facts of the situation. I've done this before, uh, but I do, I, I guess I kind of want to mention it to those who are concerned about maybe younger children listening to this. I'm not going to shy away from topics like that. But when I was young, I used to wonder why would that word no be used uh, as, as sex, you know? Uh, and the man knew Hava, his wife. Why didn't it just say, and the man had sex with Hava's wife? I didn't get it. And, and I used to wonder if it was an intentional toning down of the meaning. If it was... It was like the translators went, oh, we can't say that. You know, oh, that's that's vulgar and distasteful and, and what have you. Let's, let's use a euphemism. Let's change the meaning. But it, almost like they were embarrassed by actually putting what happened, you know, and stating it accurately. And so they were using maybe lighter words when discussing those types of things. However, as I, as I got into the Hebrew roots of this, it really does mean this. And, and, and that, that boggled my mind further. Uh, new, or to know, past tense is new, and Strong's Concordance number 3045, and it's yada. Now, right off the bat, before I go further, this made me think of the common phrase, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And that made me wonder, kind of on a side note, is this where that comes from? You know, I, and so I actually started to look up the origin of yada, yada, yada. And I've got, I got just multiple sources where it came from, and no one could really agree. There were some people, uh, uh, there's a, a famous Seinfeld show, called yada, yada, yada. And uh, in fact, they said some younger people actually believe that it originated with that show, and which of course it didn't. And it goes back to some people, you know, believe it started here. Some people believe it started in vaudeville. Some people believe it started years ago in, in Ireland. And it's it comes from a Gaelic form. And, and there's all sorts of people that, you know, as I was looking over the net, you know, that kind of disagreed with where it actually started. And I'm just wondering if it's something like this. Yada means to know. And I'm just wondering, this is just me speculating, could be totally wrong, but I wonder if yada, yada, yada kind of originally came from, like in English, we would say, I know, I know, I know. I wonder if it, it's, there's something to that that we've lost over the millennia, uh, that that's, that's where that came from somewhere. I have no idea. I, I think it's fun sometimes to just take a phrase and, and do that. Where did that come from? And that's mm -hmm. surprised me before. Um, one that I picked up one time, somebody said goodbye uh, in the 16th century, started out, that meant God be with you. And yeah. I looked it up, and, and sure enough, it was used as a contraction of God be with you. Uh, and I just thought, wow, that's really cool. So when we're saying goodbye, even when atheists <laughs> yeah. are saying goodbye, they're saying God be with you. 
I just I thought that was pretty cool. That is, yeah. I I I do that too. I like looking up the origins of phrases and things like that. And I'm not saying that is an accurate. Please don't say that that's what I'm saying. It just makes me wonder. Yeah, that to know. Now it means to know properly, to ascertain by seeing. So to know something, to understand, to to see it, to understand it, to recognize it, so you know it. But it's used in a great variety of senses. Uh, figuratively, literally, euphemistically, and inferentially. And if you look this up in Strong's Concordance, number 3045, yada, I mean, the definitions that they come up with take like a third of the way down on the page. So they had many, many, many ways in which this word could be used to know. And this is one of them. The man knew his wife, meaning to have intercourse with her. And I thought, wow, I mean, it really is the word no. And the more I thought about that, the more I appreciated it. Because that word no, meaning to properly ascertain by seeing, by, by experience, I mean, that involves a level of intimacy in understanding something that simply cannot be understood better than sex. I mean, when you know your wife, and I'm speaking from the male point of view here, women, you just have to flip it around. You know, you are really knowing her. I mean, you're, you are experiencing her on a deep level of intimacy that you, you know, is, you're not just seeing, you're not just speaking, uh, you're not just hanging out. You are connecting. There, and, and we are called to know God. I mean, I want you to connect this. There's nothing vulgar about this. There's nothing disgusting about this. We are called to have that level of intimacy with God. This is a wonderful picture here. Now, it's meant to be done in his design, and anything can be taken out of his design and perverted and and destroyed, but that doesn't mean that his design isn't wonderful. Man knew his wife. We are to know God in the same way. Again, repeat it for the nth time, the physical picture reveals a spiritual truth. We know what sex is. We know what it feels like. We know it, and, and it's, I'm not gonna hide from that. It's a wonderful thing. God gave it to us as a wonderful thing so we could experience it and understand that this is how we're to connect with God, at least one of the ways. I think that's awesome. Yeah, totally. And how better when it's someone that you know and you trust? Yes. You know, I, 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 was, I was thinking about it the other way around, how we, how Satan, how we, sometimes we do the pale imitation of the things that God does that are glorious and wonderful. And, and I'm not going to get into a huge conversation about it, but if we're just sleeping around, mm-hmm. with, even with people we don't necessarily trust, you know, we're 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 letting them have a, a piece of us that should be intimate, and and to me, that is like we're supposed to have that trusting, intimate relationship with God. Well, when we're doing that, we're making a mockery of of that relationship we should be having with God. Yeah. No, you're you're right. You're right on the money. So I'll I'll get off of that. I I will. Um... I'll stop talking about that for right now, but I just, I wanted to throw that out there that it is, it's very important not to shy away from that and to understand it as something that's special that God gave us to reveal how wonderful it is to connect with him. That's what he wants us to see. I mean, if it's, if it's in the physical sense, as wonderful as it is, and you know, imagine what it is with God. 
you know, how much better it's, it's supposed to be. So anyway, the word picture here in no, and which obviously, as we said before, no, this word, uh, 30, uh, Strong's Concordance 3045, it means so much more than this. It's just being used in that context here in Genesis 4.1. But the word itself, to know, uh, obvi- means so much more. And the word picture, yod dalet ayin. The interpretation that jumped out to me was see for yourself the pathway to the finished work. And I liked that. It was such a beautiful word picture for this word, no. It was see it for yourself. Uh, not, don't just hear it from someone. Don't just understand you. You know it. You see for yourself this pathway to the finished work. And I thought that was pretty special. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. You know it. You've seen it. You've felt it. You, you did the investigation. You know it. Mm-hmm. So, the next word I added uh, to this was the word conceived. Now, we've dealt sort of with this before. Uh, This is a different word than uh, travail, which we've dealt with before. In Genesis 3.16, when God's talking to Eve about uh, her cursing, you know, this is what's going to happen to you for sinning. You know, this is what's going to happen to you for eating of the tree. He says, you know, she's going to uh, have to go through travail. And this was Strong's Concordance 2032, Heron, or it was also Heron, and it was pregnancy. Now, it also stood for conception, but we discussed at that time how uh, I felt anyway that pregnancy was a better translation because it was the entire period of pregnancy that I felt he was talking about. The entire uh, from conception to birth that was being discussed here. But this right here, where it's talking about in Genesis 4.1, she says, and she conceived and bore Cain. So, Conceived, you know, I, I believe it does fit here. Conceived, uh, it's Strong's Concordance number 2030, which is very close, and it's pronounced hare, and it means be pregnant. Uh, a pregnant woman, it means to be with child, and it means to conceive. So it's along the same lines as 2032, Uh They're very similar. I just believe in this circumstance, conceived is, is appropriate uh, for the circumstance right here. But the word picture on this, hey, resh, hey, I came up with, behold, Yeshua revealed. And I liked that for just this word conceived. Uh, it's, it's like, I don't know how, boy, I, I have these thoughts in my head that they're difficult to express, but just, this behold, he's revealed, conceived. It's it's begun. It's this this Jesus in you. It started. That life is is new. It's it's beginning. Uh, I don't, do you understand what I'm talking about, Brad? I totally get it, and I'm kind of in the mind boggled stage. I, I don't know how to paint that picture, but conceived. When you were conceived, Scott, you began your journey. You began your adventure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I see what you're trying to say. See Yeshua through this conception. He's begun in your life. Yeah. I, I, I get the painting that we're trying to paint here. I hope our listeners are getting it from this. It's, it is beautiful, though, any way you look at it. And, we, and I think we've talked about in previous podcasts how I was, you kind of blew my mind because um, I had talked about in Revelation study that the that there were so many things birthed from the crucifixion, but I didn't actually mm-hmm. think about Jesus's, not birth, that's not the right word, but what just about the pregnancy part of it, about the conception part of it. I was only focused on the birth that's here. It's, it's, it's gone out into yes. the world. Uh-huh. But there's the part that comes before that too. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's going on here as well, I think. Yeah, uh, it, it is a wonderful picture, but 
at least for me, it's a little difficult to express in words exactly what's going on in my head. Yeah. But another reason uh, is that I think conceived is proper here is because it says, and she conceived and bore Cain. So, so the and bore is talking about, okay, now she's bearing the child. Now she's carrying the child. The conceived is the beginning point. Whereas before I thought conceived was improper because it was talking about the entire process. Pregnancy was much better. It filled in everything about it. This is she conceived, it started, and bore. She continued to carry uh, Cain. And so I looked up bore too. And in the King James Version, uh, they use bear, B-A-R-E. She bear. It's the same thing, just Old English. But this is Strong's Concordance number 3205, Yaw Lad. And it means to bear young, uh, to birth, to bring forth children. But another thing I thought was very interesting about this is this word also means to show lineage or to declare pedigrees. So when you bear a child, uh, you know, there's obviously the physical birthing part, but it means. It's your son, you know, the, you, so this word is also a direct reference to showing where you came from, showing your family history and, and uh, your lineage, that type of thing. And so the word picture I came up with here, Yod Lamed Dalet, was, I thought very interesting. I came up with the hand at work goading toward the pathway. And that, to me, kind of talked about this, not just bringing forth children, but but this lineage idea. Uh, it's like the Father's hand at work showing you the pathway, the, what got you here, the lineage, the uh, you are, every one of us were intended to reconnect to our Father God. And, and he is literally our father. I mean, think about that. He's not just figuratively our father. God is the father of Adam, who bore Seth, who bore, and he's, and, and on and on and on throughout history, every single person on earth is a direct descendant of Adam from, from one of the children that went out uh, in, in that way. And in fact, I make the argument the is a direct descendant of Noah. So you can even go, you know, Adam had many children, you know, then we had the whole flood and Noah was the only one left. We can go back to Noah. It still goes back to Adam eventually. But every one of us can trace uh, our lineage back to Noah in some way. So God is our father, our literal physical father as he birthed Adam, who birthed uh, Seth, which was where the line would go. I mean, we haven't got to him in Genesis yet. Who birthed and so on and so on and so on. We all come from him too. And here he is saying the lineage is important. It's like God is saying, you're mine. So in the word picture here, the hand at work goading towards the pathway. It's like he's prodding us saying, come back. This is the path. I am the path. I am the path. You come through me. This is your lineage. This is your heritage. You are kings. You are royalty. You are mine. I don't know. What do you think about that, Brad? I just think it's pretty cool. We, <laughs> you know, it talks about being kings and priests and all this kind of stuff. And as we've talked about before, look at your life right now. Are you a king? No, because that's the spiritual. That's mm-hmm. not... That's not maybe your physical life. You may not physically be a king right now, but uh, spiritually you are because you are descended from the most royal royals. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. And it, and I've never really had made that connection before, and this is another thing I really appreciate about going over in Genesis, is, is that, yes, the spirit is what matters, but again, in the physical, we see that representation we see that at play we literally are physically descendants of god i I mean it's literal it's not just metaphorical god created 
man in the same way I created my son uh, when when we gave birth to him. As, as And I am a creation of my father and my mother. God, Yahweh God, the triune God, created man uh, and, and birthed in him his uh, his life essence. Uh, we, we, we are God's children and we are part of this lineage. We have to remember that. And he is goading us towards that pathway. Now, I'm going to get into the word picture for Cain and Abel in a little bit here, but I want to go off on something else really quick. Along that, the, the lines of this birth, this is the first birth ever. Uh, now, Adam was birthed. You know what? I'm going to go off on another side note because this occurred to me, and I want to see what you think, Brad. It just occurred to me. It's, I started to wonder. God created man, right? Out of the dust of the earth and breathed his life into him. I always, always, always got this picture in my head of Adam being created fully adult. Was he? Was Adam? Because, because okay, this is why I started thinking about it. Cain is the first infant ever on earth. And then it hit me. How do, do we know that? Was, was, it just says Adam was created from the dust of the earth. But he could have been created as an infant and raised by God. And, and Adam could have been, you know, a three-year-old boy and growing and a five-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old and so on. We don't know. And it just, it just hit me the other day. We don't know that. It never says because I was going to make the statement, Cain's the first infant, and then it, it hit me. He might not have been. Adam might have been an infant. Who's to say? <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it makes sense, but now you're making me think. Yeah. I hate when you do that. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> because it just says we went over, we'd just gone over this, and I never occurred to me. I just assumed because of the way I was raised, because of the drawings that people made and and so in in and the teachings and all that, it's those preconception uh, yeah. ideas that I talk about that we believe certain things because we don't take the time to look for it into it ourselves. And whether it's Sunday school or church or you know those happy little images that they paint, but those are just people's interpretations. What's actually written can sometimes be different. Yeah. Was Adam a child growing up like we all were? And he grew into adulthood the way we all do. Or was Adam created a fully formed man, adult male? Uh, I honestly don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to throw that out there to everyone. I don't know. I really don't. You know, like like you said, we have these preconceived ideas, but that doesn't mean they're right. The Bible, I I dug. Maybe someone can find something I not seeing, uh, but it doesn't say because. And we've talked about this before. There's just no concept of time. You know, we kind of go. God creates man, then He creates animals for man to name, then He creates Eve, and they're hanging out in the garden. How much time passed? And you've mentioned before, Brad, that you talked about how you get this, you've had this idea of like God walking with Adam in the garden and saying like, and check that, that plant out. That plant does this. Yeah. And that plant does this. And just teaching Adam about it. Who says he didn't do this from, from a young boy? And, and maybe Adam was playing and romping in the garden and grew up, you know, in the garden and, and you know, growing wiser, growing older with God teaching him and, and loving and playing with him and what have you. Yeah, we have no idea. He could have been naming the animals when he was 10. Yeah, exactly. We have no concept of time. We kind of read the Bible and think, oh, this probably happened in a matter of days. But we don't know that. We just kind of put, 
because of the way it's stated in the Bible, we kind of go there, 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 there. But as I'm going to also get into here, you know, I'll skip ahead real quick here. Uh, Genesis 4, 2 says, And again she bore his brother Havel, and Havel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the earth. So, so Brad, let me ask you, were the kids born as shepherds and farmers? <laughs> no. I mean, did they just pop right out and, you know... You know, did Abel just go, I'm born, mom, where's the sheep? I, I need to go, I need to go be a shepherd. No, we know that they were born as infants and they were raised and they grew. And, and then eventually as he was an adult, he became a shepherd. But right here, Genesis 4, 2, she bore, and again, she bore his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of sheep. So we see you know, obviously time had to have passed, but in what we're reading, it doesn't feel like it. It just goes right from point A to point B immediately. And I think we we lose track of time because of this. And I think that's what we've done in Genesis before this with Adam. I think a lot more time has passed than what we're giving credit for. Was Adam an infant? I mean, I, I believe he was an infant spiritually, was he an infant physically too? Maybe it doesn't matter, and maybe I'm on the wrong track, but it just it makes me question when I, when I think of things like this, that is the picture in our minds accurate? Imagine now, you're putting this image in my head, imagine being an infant and being nourished purely by the Word of God. Oh, wow. Yeah. No milk, just pure... Uh, wow. <laughs> huh. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay. Never, never even thought that about that. So that's kind of a side note, and, and and yet not. I just, I just had that thought as I was going over this. I wanted to throw it out there at you, but, but I'm thinking about this right now. I will say this is the first birth ever from man. So you know, the first birth with Adam. You know, it was God, and he's God. He knows what he's doing. Father God, the parents of the first child are perfect. He's God. This is the first time we've had human parents giving birth to a child with Cain, uh, Cain. Was Eve excited about this? I be- you know, I believe she was. I- was Eve trepidatious about knowing that this birth would now come with pain? Not just the birthing process, but she had to bring a child into a world that now had sin, that now was not in the perfect garden with God. Did, you know, I, I, it just, guys, sometimes we read the Bible as so clinical and technical. We forget the passion. We forget the, the, the real emotion behind what's going on. And I tried to put myself in Eve's place. And this is her first, this is not just her first child, this is the first child. She doesn't have a mother and a grandmother and, and, and people to look back on and ask for advice. She's the first mother, a uh, uh, human mother. Adam is the first human father. Are they looking at this going, wow, they're excited about this prospect, but they're nervous. And what, you know, what's gonna happen? What do I do? Now guys, we have hindsight. We can look, we see Cain from our point of view as this filthy, awful murderer. At this point in time, he's a new baby boy. Uh, from this van, from our vantage point, we think of Cain as one way, but from Hava's perspective, Eve, and Adam's perspective, he was their precious little boy. The first child, at least the first named child, if you do believe that others came before this, uh, as some do believe that uh, you know God created a race of man before this, or that Adam and Eve had children in the garden before this. Uh, again, I want to throw those out there as possible. You know, even if I don't believe it, I want to throw it out there because I don't know. Some people do believe there were other people that came first. So at the very least, this is the first named child that the Bible declares. Well, and this is the first child after the fall, after Eve experienced the greatest loss 
ever. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about the pain. Well, I'm also thinking about the pain that she now knows that the world is a place where you can lose something. Yeah. She'd never experienced loss before. And now she's going to birth this baby. There was probably fear of loss, not, not just losing the baby, but also a loss for the baby. The things that he's going to lose out on. He doesn't have that mm-hmm. perfect relationship with God anymore. How do we get that yeah. back? So we have to remember that this is a child and, and parents who grew up like most of us do. I mean, hope, hopefully it was a loving relationship. Hopefully they were still very close to God. We, we don't know all that was going on. We just know that from this vantage point, from their vantage point, Adam and Eve didn't go, all right, here comes the very first murderer. You know, no. They were just saying, this is our precious baby boy. There was laughter. There was love. There was tears when, they, when he scraped his knee and they helped him up. I mean, we, all of these moments was just a family being a family. Well, I think her phrase that she has here is a phrase of excitement. The problem is we read it now you know, thousands of years later as just a simple little phrase. But I think that phrase is, wow. Yeah. I have a man because of God. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that is excitement. Yeah. She's looking forward to raising a wonderful, precious gift from God. She's not looking forward to raising the world's first murderer. So looking at this from, from Eve's, Adam and Eve's, but specifically Eve's point of view because she's mentioned here we have to remember that they're they're looking at this precious wonderful child that God has given them so I got into Cain you know again King James Version says Cain and it's Strong's Concordance number 7014 uh, it's pronounced Cain and that as it does so often with names in the Bible, it just says the the meaning is the first, the name of the first child, you know, but then it points to, it says the meaning is the same as 7013, which means fixity. Now, Brad, yes, you, you can't see it, people, but Brad, you have as confused look as I had when I read this. <laughs> fixity? I had to look up the English word. <laughs> Fixity. I've never heard that word before. What does that mean? And it is a word. It surprised me. I thought maybe this was old English or something out of date. It, it's a word. Fixity. And it means the state of being unchanged or permanent. So this word, and, and it used it in a sentence when I was looking it up in, in online dictionary. Uh, and, it, and it said like the fixity of his mind. So like the unchanged permanent state of someone's mind. Think of it that way. It also means a lance, as in striking fast, or a spear. And I thought this was fascinating. 7013, this, this word, Cayenne, uh, which is pronounced and spelled exactly the same, 7014 is just the recognition that that was also the name of someone, but the meaning is this, fixity and a lance or spear. And it comes, this, that definition comes from 6969, kun, which means to strike a musical note. So, so, kayin is like a lance, as in striking fast, but it comes from striking a musical note in other words, to chant or wail like at a funeral, to lament a mourning woman. And that really struck me as foreshadowing what was to come and what we're talking about Eve here. And her heart, you know, this, this precious baby boy, and just the love she would have had for him and how wonderful this was. And we do know the rest of the story. And we do, and, and this connection to a mourning woman and this lament like at a funeral, that, that just that, that picture gripped me. Yeah. Tragic and beautiful. 
Now, there's something else about this word, cayenne, that I'm going to get into in a little bit here. So now, I want to say before we go on that uh, this word, cayenne, also has something else to it. But I'm going to leave off on that for now. I'm going to come back to that. I want to do the word picture for cayenne. And that is kaf, yod, nun. And I came up with a couple of things for this. The first, uh, the important one in connection to this verse right here is the hand opened and placed a seed. Hmm. Now, if you, you know, the specific hand and, and specifically what's being opened, if you want to throw it in, you could say the hand of God opened the womb and placed a seed. And that relates directly back to Havaz, Eve's statement, I have gotten a man with the help of God, with the help of Yahweh. So I thought that was pretty cool. Because again, it was like, it was one of those, why did she name him Cain? Why did she name him Cain? And she says, she, she, you know, she doesn't say, and he, she named him Cain because... You know, but it's still there. There's a connection there. She she conceives and bears Cayenne, and then says, "I have gotten a man with the help of Yahweh." And one of the word pictures in his name is the hand opened and placed a seed. Another word picture, though, I got out of this. I thought was fascinating. Opened and closed life. When that was fascinating, because Cain. He's the first child of humanity. He's also the first murderer. So it's like he opened and closed life. So I just thought that was a fascinating word picture there. Yeah, so many meanings, but they all work. Now this child in the physical is the very first physical representation of what God did with Adam. Uh and so that, I thought, just thought that was important to kind of note, but that's pretty much all I wrote down for that one. But now I want to get back to this that I teased a little bit earlier. This Cayenne uh, has, there's a play on the affinity to 7069. Strong's Concordance, number 7069. On, uh, so this name Cayenne has has an affinity, there's a play upon the affinity to kana. Now, kana is a root word meaning to erect, and by extension, to procure, especially to purchase, and by implication, to own, attain, or buy. Now, it can mean to teach, to keep cattle, to get, to provoke to jealousy, to possess or purchase, to recover, and to redeem. And this fascinated me because this description right here seems to be describing Jesus. So, this isn't directly the the interpretation of Cayenne, but they said that just the pointing out there is an affinity to that. There's it's like a there's a play on words going on here. It's sort of a connection, an inference to this other word. Is was Cayenne Cain intended to be a picture? of the Son of God, as he was the first son uh, of Adam and Eve. Did his original picture that we were supposed to see in Cain get perverted? So, what, what should have happened? Was he supposed to be a prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus being the Son of of God, the son of, uh, of, in this case, a physical 
representation. He was the son of the first man, Adam. Was he supposed to be a physical representation, prophetic foreshadowing of the per- the one who would purchase our salvation? But instead, he it got perverted and he wanted to to purchase selfishness. Did he just use the way we think of just purchasing, being greedy? Uh, was he intended to be a shepherd because it says one of the words here is to keep cattle and that word cattle we've we've spoken about before in in western culture in the united states we think of cattle as cows we think of texans on their ranches full of you know massive herds of cattle but that word cattle just means any four-legged dumb creature and it refers to sheep it refers to pigs it refers to any of these type of animals so it's referring to him as a shepherd here uh, by saying that. Was he supposed to be a shepherd? And, and the reason I said this is going to go on as we, we get in deeper into the story of Cain and Abel. And, and I'm skipping ahead, but you know, Cain is going to uh, upset God, you know, to, for lack of a better term right now. We're, we're going to get into that. But was Cain supposed to be a shepherd? Because it goes on, Genesis 4-2, but Cain was a tiller of the earth. Is this one of the things that upset God? Because Cain was rejecting uh, the design, and he was being selfish about this. And we'll get into a little more of this as we go on in Genesis 4, but it starts here. Was God's plan for Cain to make uh, some sort of sacrifice, much like Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac as a picture of what the plan of Yahweh was through his son, and Cain rejected all of this and did the opposite, murdering his own brother. I don't know. I'm just seeing Cain was the first son of Adam. Uh, it would be a good prophetic picture of the first son of God. And we have all of this imagery in his name pointing towards Jesus. I'm just wondering if, if Cain rejected this and he should have been a prophetic picture of Jesus. Yeah. It just makes me wonder. And it kind of reminds me of, of Moses. Uh, Moses was another picture, a prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus. And Moses did not get to enter the promised land because he was supposed to he was supposed to strike the rock and water came out. And then the second time he was supposed to lift his hands and water came out. That was supposed to be a prophetic picture of Jesus. Well, the second time he struck the rock again because he was so ticked off at the people of Israel uh, and their attitude, he struck the rock and God said, no, no, that was an incorrect prophetic uh, foreshadow of the Messiah and I can't let it go. If God were to just let it go, uh, then he would be saying, ah, that's okay. That's, that's a correct enough picture. And God said, I can't do that. This is important. This is, this is the Messiah. This is my son we're talking about. It has to be accurate. And you messed it up. There has to be recourse here. And he prevented him from going into the promised land. And this is a whole other story, but it reminded me of this. It was like, I wondered if God was saying, Cain, you're supposed to be. Cain, you're supposed to be a prophetic foreshadowing. Cain said, I don't want to be. I want to do my own thing. And this led him down a path uh, uh, of rejection and, and where he ended up being exactly the opposite. And we're going to get deeper into this as we go on, but I, I'm wondering if it starts here with, with this example in his name. So I'll go on, Genesis 4, 2a, the first part. And again, she bore his brother Havel. And that's it. That's all, all it says. So the very first thing that jumped out at me is the fact that Cain gets a statement from Hava, but Havel does not. And again, Havel in the King James is Abel. Uh, that's the, most of us in, in America know him by. I, I'm not sure about the rest of the world in your translation, your language. Uh, but Havel doesn't get a statement. Why? I don't have an answer for that, but I feel like it's important. What is that supposed to tell me? I don't have an answer. 
I don't know if there's anything that jumps out at you, Brad, but uh, this is just Havel gets no statement. I've thought about that before, too, and the only thing that I could ever come up with is they always put such um, special emphasis on the firstborn son mm-hmm. and not necessarily down the line. But yeah, that I got contradicted in that thought process because God himself doesn't necessarily put on the firstborn. We see it many times where it's actually the 12th down the line that gets, you know, yeah. it gets gets the special mm-hmm. attention. So that was that was all I really I, I've thought about that before. And that's all I could ever really come up with. But I don't I don't have anything other than that. And maybe just along that thought that just made me think kind of going back to this line of Cain was supposed to be a prophetic picture of the Messiah. Maybe that's why Cain got that utterance and and Havel was just next in line. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe Cain was supposed to be something bigger than what he ended up being. But the word picture, well, Havel, uh, first of all, is Strong's Concordance number 1893. Uh, and, and in Hebrew, and now my Hebraic Roots version says Havel. Strong's Concordance said it should be pronounced Hebel. And we've talked about this before, that some letters in Hebrew can be pronounced multiple ways. The B it, the B sound is interchangeable with the V sound. So there's there's some of that going on here. But again, in it, when you look it up, it just says the definition is the second son of Adam. And it goes on to say this comes from 1892, Hebel or Habel, and it means emptiness or vanity. Figuratively, it means something transitory and unsatisfactory. And it goes on to say 1892, this definition comes from 1891, habal, which means to be in vain, in in an act, word, or expectation, specifically to lead astray. (laughs) And I was wondering, I, I just couldn't come up with any good reason for this. Where does this in Abel's life, in, in Havel, where, where, why? Why was he named this? I don't know. Now, again, partially I'm looking, I know the end of the story. And, and he, Abel seems to be a more righteous one seeking God. So why is this something transitory, unsatisfactory, leading astray? Where is this coming into his name? Maybe it's not... <laughs> Maybe it's not like he did it on purpose. Maybe it's not even negative. Maybe he led the firstborn astray by being better than him or something like Possibly. that. Possibly. And, you know? and again, maybe this comes from, we're not thinking, like maybe I'm biased by the end of the story. Maybe she named him that because of this feeling that they had they they went astray. And she was just kind of, this was a reminder. This is a child that came from uh, us being out of the garden, us messing up. Uh, maybe this, this transitory, unsatisfactory, maybe that was a definition of we were supposed to be better. Uh, this is a transitional phase now. We are going to die when we never would have. This is an unsatisfactory part of our lives. Maybe maybe that's where this came from. The first child. Kind of a reminder yeah, the first child is supposed to be the physical picture of of Christ. It's supposed to be, and then the second one is a physical picture of us. Yeah, what maybe, we maybe, did. Maybe you're onto something I, there. I yeah, I don't know, but that's interesting. But but it was. It, this is why I said at the beginning I wasn't getting a lot out of Abel because I was looking at that, going, "What does that mean? Where where am I going with this?" And now the word picture for Havel, hey. Beit Lamed, uh, the interpretation I came up with, uh, it was kind of neat, but it didn't necessarily connect with Abel. It was, behold the house of the teacher. And I thought, okay, that's, that's good. I, I, I just, I came, that's what jumped out at me. But I didn't necessarily connect it with this story or, or the, the person in particular. That's just, and maybe there's something else here that should and someone else can read, uh, read these and go, no, here's a better picture. 
and come up with something better than, than I could. But that's what I came up with. So I'll go on. The whole verse, and again she bore his brother Havel. And Havel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the earth. And I found that important, that as soon as they were both born, the very first thing it describes about them is keeper of sheep and a tiller of the earth. Why is this the most important thing that we're supposed to see? And I think part of the reason it goes back to the fact of what we were talking about that before, I think, and this is just me, uh, I think Cayenne was supposed to be uh, a keeper of sheep. There was supposed to be a prophetic picture there, and he's rejecting it. There, all I know is, for, for sure, is that this is the most important thing God had to say about them. And it's the very first thing he records in Scripture about these two people is what they did. And, and even in that, the word but stands out to me. Havel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the earth. I mean, this, this, is, uh, this has a negative connotation to me. It's an opposite. You know, if it was just describing what they did, it was Havel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of the earth. Or it could say Havel was a keeper of sheep while Cain was a keeper of keeper tiller. Boy, I'm English. No speak me today. Uh, but Cain was a tiller of the earth. No, it specifically says, but. Uh, and so it's like it's pointing out there's something wrong here. It, everything, and as we go on, and I said it before, as we go on in Genesis 4, things keep jumping out at me that says there, there's more wrong here to Cain. Uh, that we should be seeing. I, I think, I just get the feeling that Cain is in rebellion. Uh, what's wrong with Cain tilling the earth? I think there was a design. I think there was a plan. I think there was a prophetic picture that he should have been presenting that he's refusing. Is this, like Adam, designed to show us we were intended for something else and we chose selfishness, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden? And then the last thing, I'll end with this. It's just a brief little point. But Genesis 4.2 says, And again she bore his brother, Havel. Havel is defined as the brother of Cain as the brother of Cain. It does not define him as the son of Adam and Hava. That tells me that Cain, this is his story that we've gotten into here. The emphasis is on him. Uh, and Havel is a part of it. I don't know. You got kind of a quizzical look going on, Brad. <laughs> I just got a lot of thoughts that aren't really forming in my head right now. Yeah. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still stuck on... Um, behold the the house of the the teacher, and I was just trying to think. Well, oh yeah. Well, if if it's the house of a teacher, then maybe there's something we're supposed to learn from that. But I'm trying to figure out what what would we learn from Abel that's mentioned very briefly. And the only thing I can come up with is he's a shepherd, and shepherds um, can also mean teacher, um, yeah, wise one, that, that that kind of thing. And so it just makes me wonder if there's something there I, that I'm just not getting some lesson that we're supposed to learn from Abel that I'm just not seeing. <laughs> just the simple fact that Abel was chasing God, willing to give God the best, and, yeah. and that's just supposed to be a lesson in and of itself? I, you know, could but, be. I don't it know. It also makes me wonder if, um, if that was supposed to be Cain, um, and then it wasn't, so now we're supposed to learn from Abel. Well, Abel's still taken out by Cain, so it makes me wonder if there's still a, there's still a lesson there about y you might still have sorrow, you might still have trials. Mm -hmm. This is just my mind 
but you might still have trial, you might still have sorrow, but still learn from that lesson. Be like Abel, not like Cain. Yeah? You know. No, you could be absolutely right, at least a part of it. Um, Unrefined thoughts that I'm having right in this moment. No, but I like where you're going with it. All right, well, that's it. See, only two verses here. I thought this was going to be a lot shorter, but things kept just kind of pouring out. So uh, do you have any final thoughts before we just wrap this up? Nothing nothing concrete, just more to think about and more to okay. uh, to look into. You, you, you had a couple more blow-my-mind moments, and I love that. <laughs> all right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up for all of you guys out there listening. Uh, by saying once again, this has been Scott. And this has been Brad. And this is not about us. <laughs>